You're listening to the NFL on TuneIn. It's No Huddle with Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Let's pass along more takeaways from what went down last night on Thursday Night Football with a great friend of the program who covered the game for Yahoo Sports. It's our pal, Eric Adelson. Eric, thanks for taking the time. So watching on TV felt like the Buccaneers failed to capitalize on opportunities. Tom Brady with a pair of turnovers. Rob Gronkowski did not even play. Were you surprised that the Bucks did not show up with a better effort on primetime? Yeah, and good to talk to you guys. Uh, it was surprising. There were several opportunities. I was surprised that the Pats gave them so many chances, and I was surprised they, it wouldn't have taken much. A couple of field goals that were makeable. Um, the, the, that final touchdown play, the, the, the Pats just seemed to let the Bucks hang around, and it, it, they, the Bucks just didn't do anything big in the game. There was no big Mike Evans play. Deshaun Jackson had one, one uh, long pass. Uh, O.J. Howard was basically invisible. What I was excited about with this game was you were going to have a weakened pass secondary trying to stop these three great receivers and Jameis Winston, and it really looked like a um, – an impotent offense for the Bucks. There was none of the, the flash or the excitement that for a home game is really one of the biggest home games the Bucks have had in a long time, and it was they were flat. Now some credit goes to the Patriots' defense, but uh, I, I think it was a big step back for Jameis Winston. I mean, you said it's a step for the defense, arguably one of the worst defenses in the game, in a sense of of how they play, especially in the pass defense, one of the worst in the game, but. Jameis Winston, when it comes to 15-plus yards on, on passing plays, in the first three quarters he was one of eight, and then in the fourth quarter he was four of six. What's the problem when you see, or what you think the problem is when you see Jameis Winston's inability to be able to uh, connect with one of the, the deep threat best receivers in the game in Deshaun Jackson? Well, I think that when you take away Mike Evans, I mean, Belichick's always going to take away your best guy. And, and so you knew he was going to take away Mike Evans, and I think when you take away Mike Evans, then uh, Winston gets fancy, and, and uh, he's, he's not at the stage yet where he can throw guys open. Uh, he wasn't able to do it. I mean, there was a couple times when he found Deshaun Jackson, but if you take away, I mean, it's a little bit like, I, I'm not going to say that Jameis Winston is Johnny Manziel, but if you look back at the, at the Texas A&M days, you know, so many times Mike Evans bailed out Johnny Manziel, and uh, that's, that's because to me he's you know, one of the top two receivers in the game. Um, but if you take him away, then, then uh, Winston just looks mediocre, and, and that's what I felt was happening uh, last night. Also, I, I think the, the play calling was subpar. It was not imaginative. It was not surprising. It was milk toast. Uh, Dirk Cutter, you know, he was, he was hired to basically be the offensive guru for Jameis Winston, uh, and I didn't see anything that was really surprising or exciting from, from, uh, from Cutter either. So, um, um, it's, it's disappointing, honestly, because they got Doug Martin back, and he was great. Doug Martin was the best guy in the field for the Bucks. You think that if you have a running game, then that would the passing game would feed off of it. That didn't happen either. So, uh, head scratcher for me for the Bucks. Eric Adelson from Yahoo Sports is our guest on the NFL on TuneIn. Eric, when you sit in the press box or wherever you were sitting in Raymond James Stadium, you get a better sense of how the defense is playing than what we can glean watching or listening to the game on TuneIn Premium. I know the Patriots gave up 409 total yards, and Jameis Winston became the latest starter to have better than 300 passing yards. That trend has continued week by week this year. But watching the game, they did not give up many big plays. Did you get a sense there was defensive improvement from the Patriots last night? 
Oh, definitely. I mean, the, the Gilmore in center field. I mean, that was a that that was a big issue. That was probably the biggest issue for the for the Pats coming in, uh, and and he was able to hang in there. Uh, Butler. I mean, I, I expect greatness from Butler, but he really played well, um, and uh, and they made the Bucks try to beat them on the ground, uh, and they couldn't. Uh, and they made the big plays too. And there were a couple of examples where. The, the, the Pats defense were put in bad situations where Tom Brady had a fumble. Um, there was a, there was a, um, a, a really kind of mind-numbing uh, encroachment penalty on a punt that gave the, gave the Bucks uh, a first down uh, late in the first half. They, they rallied. It wasn't just that they were making the good plays fundamentally. Uh, they were in put, put in bad situations, and they were smart. And then, you know what? That's a little bit hard to do sometimes when you're traveling off a short week. Um, and it's 94% humidity, sometimes you can lose the mental focus and the pathogen. That's to their credit. That's the credit of the coaching staff, too. Doug Martin, I know it wasn't the greatest numbers of all time, but he came out and looked as if he's been around for some time, made some tough runs, some great runs. I mean, some balls were thrown over his head when Jameis was trying to come down for the check down to him. But tell me, what do you see in Doug Martin? Do you see them now that they have him back and he is the go-to player on offense when it comes to the physicality of it, uh, do you see them now probably moving forward to taking some of the reins away from Jameis Winston to allow it to get back to a more controlled and safer style offense? Because Jameis Winston has been truly uh, inefficient over the last couple of weeks when it comes to throwing the ball downfield. Right. I agree, Cordell. I mean, this is year three for Winston. This is a year where a lot of NFL quarterbacks take that step. We have not seen it yet. I think part of it is the lack of running game. Um, so I think that they will try to ride Doug Martin. Um, and then have Winston feed off of that. Uh, that's really what worked at Florida State. I mean, people remember, um, you know, Kelvin Benjamin and James Winston obviously winning the Heisman Trophy, but they just had a, uh, a bushel full of great running backs. Uh, and they also had a very good offensive line. Now, the Bucks do not. The Bucks have a good offensive line, not a great offensive line. And that's an issue, too. I, I think that part of the die was cast for this team when they didn't really upgrade the offensive line in the offseason. It needed it. Uh, and so there's less time for Winston. There's less in the way of holes for Martin. Um, and so the, the Winston is going to have to earn it. Uh, I think they're really relying on him to take that step. And uh, so far, uh, we have not seen it this year. Eric, what do you make of Cam Newton's apology after his clearly sexist remark after I thought it was a well-framed and purposeful question that was offered by Jordan Rodriguez of the Charlotte Observer? It was lengthy. Sam, to, uh, Cam, to me, seemed contrite. He spoke from the heart, but I did not hear him mention Jordan's name at all. What would you make of the apology? Oh, I'm right with you, Brian. That was the thing that was missing is that uh, I, I did feel that it was earnest. I think that he is truly sorry. I don't think it was an act. Uh, usually you can tell when, when Cam Newton means it. Um, but, yeah, I mean, ultimately this was an interpersonal reaction uh, that was poor, and it was sneering, and it was condescending. It wasn't just the words he said. It was the way he said it, just basically laughing at somebody in public. Um, and so the number one apology is owed to Jordan, and, uh, and he didn't deliver on it, and, and that was disappointing. That said, he did apologize. It was a full-throated apology. Um, it was humble. Um, he not only apologized to, uh, you know, to sports uh, writers, but also super moms, moms. I mean, this was really – um, this was something that was a, a slap at a, at a lot at a lot of people, and he knows that, and he knows that he lost fans. 
So I give him credit. I think we can move on. Um, but, yeah, you're right, Brian. I'm glad you pointed that out. I mean, really, ultimately, the number one apology is to Jordan. He did not specifically deliver it. When you look at this Seattle and, and Los Angeles Rams game coming up, uh, Seattle's been struggling offensively. Uh, defensively, I think that's that's the only piece to this puzzle that's been consistent. But when you look at this Rams team, they're just playing good across the board. Defensively, special teams, offensively, I mean, they're scoring points. Team is averaging 35.5 points a game, which is the best in the National Football League. Do you think that's enough, even within that division? Because they do battle each other very well throughout the entire division in the NFC West. Do you see this being a game where the Rams can actually win? Because no one's really buying yet that they're 3-1 and one and playing really good because they were 3-1 last year, and we saw the end of that season for the Rams. Yeah, this is a good segue, Cordell, because you have – we're talking about the Bucks and their inability to sort of have this power run game. Um, and the Rams have that now. Uh, and Gurley, I, I know you guys talk some college football, but I, I've been covering college football in some way or another for 20 years, and Gurley is, might be the best college running back I've ever seen in person. Uh, he's that good, and I think he's going to be that good at the pro level. And so when you can just get behind him and if he stays healthy – that makes it so much easier with Jared Goff because if you're a defensive game planner, you have to you have to stop Gurley. You you do not have a choice, uh, and that's why I think that the Rams can win this game. I think sometimes when you have a young quarterback and you have this sort of high-powered offense, sometimes games can get out of hand and you can lose these uh, shootouts. But you know Seattle doesn't really have that kind of firepower uh, as much as they did before. So I kind of think this is a bad matchup for Seattle. Can the, can the Seahawks win? Sure. But uh, I do think the Rams in that division, which is looking a little bit shaky now, they, they have a chance. Finally, since I like to give you a good-natured hard time about your loyalty when it comes to Andy Dalton, I have to concede <laughs> occasionally I'm off the mark. On this show, I was part of the chorus saying the Jets might lose 14, 15 games, maybe go winless. How much credit should we give them for putting back-to-back wins, and now they're heading to Cleveland? Yeah, I mean, well, that's the thing. is It was kind of weird going into that press box last night where I thought the Bucks had a chance to win, and if they did, then you, then that would set up a, uh, a Jets pass game next weekend uh, where the, the Jets could conceivably be ahead in the standings. Now, that won't happen because uh, the pass won. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that's the thing is that if you play, it's boring. But if you play fundamental football and you block and tackle, you, you, you're in these games. I mean, there's very few teams in, in the NFL that just get blown out every week. And so – you you make the right play, uh, and, you, and you don't you let the other team beat itself, especially against the weaker schedule that the Jets have. And you can be in games. And then uh, you know I, I, I'm not the biggest uh, Josh McCowns fan, but um, he's a very smart guy, and 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 he is not going. He doesn't doesn't have this huge ego where he's going to try to win the game by himself. So it's a fit for Bowles and what they're doing. Um, you know, are they going to the Super Bowl? No, but. You know, they're, they're making, I think they will continue to make interesting. Quick footnote to your observation about Gurley playing for Georgia, because I know you track college football well as we wrap it up. Any doubts in Sam Darnold with all the early interceptions this year for USC? Yeah, I, I think it was, uh, I think it's silly to anoint a college quarterback before you have the full amount of film. Um, I mean, Brad Kaya was supposed to be the, the number one pick, and he barely was drafted. Uh, I think Darnold's a good quarterback. I love his poise and composure. Um, but you have to be consistent over the f- course of a full game, especially at the college level, especially when you're going against the Pac-12, which doesn't have the best defenses. We haven't seen that with him. 
Um, and and we need to see him take another step. This is this is what stood out to me, guys, about Deshaun Watson last year. He had more interceptions in his final year, but he was more vertical. He was more of a pro style passer, and he was in control of that offense the whole game, the whole season. Uh, and you could tell he was ready. Darnold, I'm not sure. Uh, I like him, but I, I still need to see more before I say he's automatic number one. Right now, looks like it's Saquon Barkley to me. Eric, great information as always. Thanks for joining us again on the NFL on Tune, and have a great weekend. Have a great weekend too, guys. Thank you. You've been listening to No Huddle with Brian Weber and former Steelers quarterback Cordell Slash Stewart live on the NFL on Tune. 20, 15, 10, 5, touchdown. The National Football League is on. Tune in.